Okay, hello everyone. It's good to see you all. For those observing, uh, have a meaningful Yom HaZikaron. Uh, welcome to an exciting Chabura Shur with Professor Svi Zohar. We will be exploring texts and teshuvot of our Chachamim and diving into the Sephardi rabbinic culture. About our speaker, Professor Svi Zohar is one of the leading academic scholars of Sephardi rabbinic creativity in modern times. He studied at Merkaz Harav Yeshiva for three years, received his PhD from the Hebrew University in, in Jerusalem, and was appointed professor of Sephardic law and ethics at Bar Ilan University. He has published over 100 scholarly articles in Hebrew, English, and French, seven book-length studies in Hebrew, as well as rabbinic creativity in the Middle East. Uh, professor Zohar was with us in the past, and I highly recommend uh, to check that out, which is available on our website. Uh, in Chabura News, stay tuned. Uh, we're about to launch our Shavuot book, which is, uh, we're very excited about that. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for being here. Thank you all who are going to be listening live afterwards. And thank you so much, Professor. It's always an honor to have you with us. And the floor is yours. Um, okay, so uh, good evening. Um, as you may be aware, here in Israel, a couple of hours ago, we began the Yom HaZikaron. And, uh, We're looking forward in about less than 24 hours to the beginning of Yom HaAtzmaut. And the establishment of the state of Israel um, raised high hopes for the growth and creativity and renewal of the Jewish people in many spheres of activity and knowledge and uh, enterprise. And in some of these spheres, we've been doing better than others. Uh, inter alia, we had a great ingathering of uh, kibbutz galuyot. And one could look forward, hopefully, to the fact that the Torah culture and creativity in Israel would be influenced by um, a very wide range of traditions and sources that um, we, we got from all over the world. Um, as a matter of fact, what seems to have happened in many ways is that we have been tremendously affected by the Eastern European tradition of learning Torah, more specifically within the Eastern European tradition by those uh, more closely associated with the Haredi um, type of attitudes and the scholars. And about um, well, in the year 2020, about three and a half years ago, I was informed that I had been awarded a scholarship or a, a research grant um, by the uh, Israel Science Foundation to take up the following question, which is... Uh, Sephardic Israeli rabbis of Sephardic ethnicity, 
meaning they come from Sephardic families. And to what extent are they Sephardic culturally in the sense of continuing the great Sephardic rabbis and tradition of the recent 100 or 200 years. And the first part of this project was, has been devoted to collecting a database of who are today in Israel Sephardic rabbi or Israeli rabbis of Sephardic ethnicity. And there are many hundreds of them. And the more budgets that the state through its various ministries distributes to um, Torah uh, frameworks and uh, koilel and uh, yeshiva gevoha and yeshiva ketana and so on, uh, the more rabbis there are. And it's one would be very hard pressed put it mildly, one would be very hard pressed to find today in Israel a person who is uh, from Sephardic parentage, from Sephardic family, who has not studied in a Torah institution that is either Ashkenazic and Sephardi, excuse me, Ashkenazic and Haredi, or Sephardic and Haredi, or Ashkenazic non-Haredi, for instance, Yeshivot is there. And where are the institutions that are Sephardic non-Haredi? Okay, that's a great question. And therefore, what we find is that more and more developments within the Sephardic world, of Torah world, seem to reflect an increasing influence of Haredi and or Ashkenazic influence on rabbis of Sephardic parentage and families. And I recently, um, in November, was invited to Mexico by an organization of, started by several young men and women called Ibn Sefarad. And in the framework of that organization, what is the raison d'etre of that organization? That in fact, the greater part of people in Mexico who come from Sephardic backgrounds have become Haredi. Okay. And you go there, you see that there are 40 koilil in Mexico City alone, uh, all of them with a Haredi, uh, Haredi attitude and approach. And if you would see, well, where are people studying according to the Sephardic tradition of their fathers, you would be very hard pressed to find them. That's why they established this organization. And the same is true in many communities worldwide. 
It is against this background that I thought that it would be interesting to examine a different phenomenon, which um, is Sephardic, but not of the type that I just uh, talked about, which is statistically the dominant one. And this is a group called the Igud Chachmei HaMa'arav Be'eret Yisrael, the organization um, of uh, rabbis of the Ma'arav of the West, in this case, meaning North Africa, in Eretz Yisrael. And what I would like to do together with you is to read together uh, two texts. One of them is a Psak Halacha, and one of them is a different document, and um, discuss it with you because I would be interested in also hearing your views on this topic. And um, in a second lesson, which I think is going to be in about a month, uh, we will see further teshuvot of rabbis associated with this uh, framework. So while the organization was established uh, originally about five years ago, as we shall see. In fact, the first time people in Israel and probably elsewhere heard about this was uh, just before Pesach in the year 2020. And uh, what you have before you is a text, right? Everybody has the text. Um, I sent you the text, right, uh, to uh, Sina? Let me pull it up in a second. All right. This is called Psaka Zoom, which is a colloquial name, but even it, when they printed it in a volume, they um, used this. Can the professor continue and then I'll, I'll pull it up in a minute? Excuse me? Yeah, can the professor continue and I'll pull it up in a minute? I'm just having some trouble. Um, okay, so this came out just before Pesach of the year 2020. Um, I don't know what was going on outside of Israel, but inside of Israel, it was determined towards Pesach that there had to be a complete ban on movement. Oh, thank you very much. And uh, there had to be a complete ban on movement. People had to stay at home in, in quarantine. And especially it was uh, feared that on Pesach, when many people traditionally uh, go to their families or their friends or their relations for the Seder Pesach, this would be uh, caused the spread of COVID-19 uh, like wildfire. And therefore, actually uh, anticipating the Pesach, it was clear that many people would be either celebrating Pesach, Seder Pesach alone, or perhaps with one other person rather than in a family and friend framework. 
by the way, you should know that um, it's estimated that over 90% of the Jews in Israel have a Seder Pesach. Not all of them have the same text. Not all of them read the complete text, but uh, it's a very widely celebrated holiday in Israel. And uh, thank God, there's not a law mandating that, right? People do it because they want to do it and they uh, feel good about doing it. And so we have here Psak Hazum. And the question is, we were asked by a scholarly person, a scholarly Jewish person, can we operate Tochnat Zoom or Meet or Google View or Kol Tochna Acheret Velela Sedo to operate some computer program? that links together elderly people and their family members, that they cannot be together physically, because of the spread of the coronavirus, so that they can carry out and perform the seder together through the uh, program, through the computer program. One of the computer screens is in the home of the elderly person. In the home of the family, and they connect together. Sight, speech, and shema, hearing. The program and the computer set up and operating prior to the beginning of the holiday. Nothing needs to be done on the holiday itself. The question is if in order to perform together the seder, if can we use this uh, computer setup as a permissive ruling uh, for a time of emergency alone? Um, Okay, so who is this? A person, Yehudi Talmid Chacham. So they don't cite who it is. Um, I like to believe it was me because um, a month before Pesach, when it seemed that um, it was, there was going to be a quarantine on Pesach itself, um, uh, the, the full-scale uh, Corona uh, COVID-19 began in Israel around Purim, right? And so it's it looked like it was going to be the case. And uh, I contacted my friend 
Rabbi Chaim Amsalem, we I befriended him and he befriended me when he was preparing his book on Giyur, Zera Israel, and um, I said to him, "Look, you know, this is going to be the situation, and uh, what do you think about the idea that people could connect by computer and have a set of pesach together?" And he said, "Well, it seems it should work." And he said later on that he spoke to Rabbi Abergil, and Rabbi Abergil supported this. Um, subsequently, I also heard that someone else had posed this question also uh, to Rabbi Abergil. So I'm not sure it's me, but I like to think it was. In any case, uh, I will uh, say that um, in fact, in our family, we did this, meaning my wife and I were in our home in Givad Ze'ev, and our three children in the Tel Aviv area got together in the apartment of one of them, and they had a screen, and we had a screen, and we carried out the sitter quite successfully uh, under this format. So that's the question. Um, okay, let's go down a bit. So the teshuva, shalosh ba'ayot merkaziyot kayamot bishelah. The three main problems, the three main halachic issues uh, with regard to this matter. Aleph afalat amachshir biyom tov, operating this machine, the, the computer, meaning a, an electric machine on Yom Tov. Bet Uvdin Dechol. Uvdin Dechol, as you know, is a rubric under which are grouped any activities that are seemingly secular, weekday activities inappropriate for a holy, for a holy day. Um, what are these activities? Which activity fits under this definition is, to the best of my knowledge, absolutely vague. And it's a sort of catch-all uh, by virtue of which uh, it's possible to deny the validity of any permissive ruling, uh, which doesn't fall under any other category because it's Udin Dechor. It's, it's not Shabbistic. It's not Yom It's not appropriate for Yom Tov. So that's the second question that they identify. And the third question that they identify, the worry or the concern that people will come to use such this permission, in other holidays, not for the purpose of, of this. Okay, so... One is the issue of an electric machine or electric device on Yom Tov. Second, it's inappropriate, the spirit of a holiday. And three, it might be used, uh, this permission might be extended inappropriately to other holidays. Okay, so the first number one, 
באשר להיתר הדלקת חשמל ביום טוב, the issue of is it permitted in general to light operate electric devices on Yom Tov, right? Not Shabbat, Yom Tov. Yadua, ki halukim bo chachmei Yisrael asefaradim vechachmei tsefon Africa, there is a lot of discussion and uh, not absolute agreement of the Sephardic and North African rabbis. Rubam kechulam matirim, the great majority of whom permit this. In other words, according to what's written here, the great majority of Sephardic rabbis in modern times, when there came up the issue of uh, operating uh, and uh, using electricity on Yom Tov, said that this is permitted. Um, the same people did not say that it's permitted on Shabbat, right? But on Yom Tov, on holiday, yes. And who are the most prominent of these? Harishon Atzion, Rav Ben Sion Uziel, Rabbi Ben Sion Uziel, first Sephardic chief rabbi of Israel, Rav Rafael Ben Shimon, who was the chief rabbi of Cairo, and the for 30 years between 1891 and 1921. Harabanim Yosef Veshalom Asas were cousins, I believe. Each of them comes originally from Morocco. Harab Moshe Malka also came from Morocco and was then the chief rabbi of Petah Tikva. Be'arav David Shelush, whose family came from Morocco in the 19th century, and he was himself the Sephardic chief rabbi of Natania for about 50 years. Ve'od and others. Many Ashkenazic rabbis say that it assumed to light, uh, to use electricity on electric devices on Yom Tov, It's also true, by the way, that there are Ashkenazic rabbis who do permit the use of electricity on Yom Tov. However, so first of all, we have this machaloket. There's no need to actually do anything with the computer. It has been set up and operating before the Chag began. There's some concern. Nevertheless, although it's we say that they should arrange everything in the computer before um, Chag. Nevertheless, perhaps it might, there might be an occasion that the person would turn it off or turn it on, on Chag. With regard to this concern, if such a thing would occur, now, as you know, anybody that operates computer programs, a Zoom, it can disconnect in the middle or all other things can happen. Seder Pesach is a long period of time. So what then? Well, 
since there are so many rabbis that permit lechatchila without need for any specific justification, therefore we can rely on this in order to allow people, if need be, uh, to uh, set up the uh, to to reconnect or to uh, whatever needs to be done uh, during the seder pesach itself. Now, does this book appear with the writing? No, it's not. It's backwards, right? All right. What it's because okay. So what it says is this is a book put out subsequently about uh, half a year ago or something by this group of people, right? And Igud Chachmeh And the topic is Mishnatam Ha'ilchatit Shel Chachmeh Ma'arav, the halache. Uh, teachings of the rabbis of North Africa, Kerech Aleph, Volume One, Hashimush Bechashmal BeShabbatu Yom Tov. Okay, so they subsequently put out a whole volume of halachic uh, discussion about this issue itself. So the first point is that basically we have everybody set it up before the Chag, but nevertheless, if it, something happens on the Chag and you need to do something with the computer or the program or electricity. Okay, there are so many rabbis that permit it, we can rely upon that. The second question that it's not inappropriate for the Chag, it's secular, it's not good. In other words, is it Udin Lechol? Is it not Udin Lechol? Maybe yes, maybe no. By the way, this whole issue of Udin Lechol is Derabanan. Because there is a great mitzvah at hand, which they haven't specified yet, right? We can permit it on the basis that it's for the purpose of a mitzvah. Uh, certain types of activities which the uh, Rabbanan shouldn't be done on Chag, uh, but for the purpose of mitzvah, we allow it. It was allowed if there's a doubt whether there's a sufficient quantity of water in the mikveh, we can actually go and measure that on Yom Tov. Similarly, we can say that this if there is any uvdim dechol, it's not something which can't be overcome by the greater concern for sorech uh, mitzvah. Number three, perhaps it might this permission might be used again in other situations that are inappropriate. They'll use it. Non-justified purpose. Everybody knows that this is only for a situation of emergency because we have the COVID and people are locked up at home. They could have stopped here, right? But no. Pesach is a special holiday. The night when we read the Haggadah. 
שכולם רואים בו אירוע מיוחד, that everyone regards this as a very special event, שהוא ברית בין השם לישראל. This is a, an event, a, covenant, a covenantal event between God and Israel. Okay, which is an interesting point, um, which is almost uh, calls up the memory, right, of Korban Pesach, because there's only two mitzvot that say positive commandments. If uh, Israelite, a Jewish person, fails to fulfill the positive commandment, it's Isur Karet. One is Brit Milah, and one is Korban Pesach, right? Whoever could have eaten Korban Pesa and intentionally refrained, that's Karit. So in a sense, they're bringing this to bear on the Seder Pesa, as I read it. Furthermore, many young Jewish persons, if not for their connection to their grandfather and grandmother, if they might not even come to any Seder Pesach. Only the connection to the grandparents. So who is he talking about? He's talking about people who obviously don't come from standard, observant Shomer Shabbat families. In fact, if left to their own, might very well not participate in any Seder Pesach and inter alia would not eat matzah might they eat bread? We don't know, but they wouldn't eat matzah. And this generation is very important to reconnect the hearts of the sons to their fathers. So this consideration is for the sake of whom? Right? For the sake of the younger generation. Many of the younger generation, it is suggested here, would not participate in a set of Pesach without the elder generation. But in fact, they can't do it because of the COVID, COVID-19, right? So what? By allowing to have a set of Pesach through Zoom, we are actually enabling the younger generation or a whole segment of people from the younger generation to participate in a family which otherwise, if not for the family context, they wouldn't do it. So that's for the good of the younger generation. Furthermore, in Yanosafiesh was a, there's a further consideration to remove sadness from the elders and the older people, Latet la motivatia to give the motivation, Lamshik leha avekal chayehem to continue to struggle to maintain their life. Okay, this is a situation which you recall that the older people were inordinately 
exposed uh, to the dangers and threat of the virus. And here they are all alone on the Seder night. So by enabling them to participate with other members of the family, we are encouraging them and lifting their spirits and they will continue to struggle to maintain the life. To prevent them from depression and a feeling of inability, mental, spiritual inability. That might bring them to despair of life. Now you see that in this entire framework of the considerations, these are considerations which go beyond the technicality of yes or no, is this a thing that's electric and permitted or not? And it's a range of considerations that are looking at the situation from a very broad social, cultural, uh, demographic perspective. We think that it should be permitted to have a Seder Pesach by Zoom, as described above. By stressing this, this is only for a state of emergency. Only for the Seder night of Tafshin Pei with 2020. And those who are in need of this. As one permits on Shabbat to do certain medical procedures for someone who is not in life endangered. Okay, and you see here a list of people who rabbis who are signed on to this sack. Uh, by the way, in the original version that was published at the time on the internet, were several additional people who were later pressured to withdraw their support. And you see here that the people who are signed on are not all of them the most famous people uh, in the world of Sephardic rabbis at the time. Arab Eliyahu Abergel of Betin Yerushalayim, well known. Arav Shalomo ben Hamurav Ir Kiryat Gat, Rabbi of Kiryat Gat, Arav Mushel Hara, Rabbi Ir Shlomi. Um, and then we get to Rabbi Yehuda Shalush, who's the son of Rabbi David Shalush. Uh, for political reasons, he was not appointed to be the rabbi of the entire city of Netanya, but only of half Mizrach, Eastern Netanya. Arav David Zeno, Rav Moshav. Rav Rafael Daluya, Rav Bet Knesset Oil Yitzchak, which is in the settlement of Har Beracha, 
near Shechem, Arav Chaim Amsalem, under his title Av Betin Ahavat Hagel, which uh, carries out Giorim for a variety of people in Israel and throughout the world. Arav Daniel Buskila, Rosh Merkaz Achinuchias, Fadeave Al Vered, Ram Bemachon Meir, and so on. Now, Obviously, the strength of this psaac is not contingent upon the titles of the people who are writing it. In fact, the people who are signing here are sticking their neck out because they're taking an original position, which is not Okay. Okay, why so somebody asked, why do they say electricity is mutar and yomto but not Shabbat? Because Havarat uh, Ish is permitted on Yom Tov and not Shabbat, right? If we would do on Shabbat what we do on Yom Tov, what many people do, taking a match or a, setting it to an existing candle and transferring that fire. Okay, that would be Isu Malacha and Shabbat immediately. So there's not Isu Havara and Yom Tov. And the whole discussion, all right, uh, began, in fact, with are you allowed to take a match and strike it on the box of matches on Yom Tov? That was even before electricity. Okay, so, okay, so let me ask you now. Um, what what are your impressions or your thoughts uh, uh, about what has been said in this suck? I was I was just going to say this is um, this is. Um... Like you, that's the that's the imperative here. It's to enjoy as much as you can. That can facilitate it with you know, especially using the traditions of of the past. And there's like other big names too that like talked about this, but they're no longer with us. So I think that gives more of a an appreciation for the holiday. Um, in other words. You're not talking about the special context of the year 2020, but you think that in general, this the spirit of this psaac continues the idea of the samachta vechagecha. Well, well, yeah, because I'm sure there were, like I know in my family we had um, a, a person by the it was a long time ago, Rabbi David Kohen Skali, who also wrote specifically about electricity. Oran. I'm sorry. What From was that? The town of Oran, right? Correct. Oran, Oran, exactly. He was an uh, an Avbedin in Oran, so he he would talk about this. And I know other people at the time didn't agree, but his whole rationale was if it can help you enjoy it, and there's no problem with it, then then you know, Adiraba, like you should for sure. I should maybe I shouldn't say this, but you know, yeah, I think yeah. Okay. considering your position that they would probably 
knew they were going to get. Um, it feels like quite a short shuva. It doesn't seem to quote like sources or anything like that. So it's quite hard. I mean, because I don't know the sources or uh, a lot behind the, how they came to these positions historically. It's interesting that they chose to keep it quite short. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. I, I'm quite keen to know if I'm, I'm not Sfadi, so I'm, I, I'm not familiar with these names, but um, are there, are there Sakim recognized in any other field? It's my first question. My second question is, in some synagogues, particularly in the United States, where they have very large communities, some synagogues allow the use of a loudspeaker of a microphone on Shabbat if it's switched on before Shabbat so that the rabbi can give his sermon on Shabbat and it stays on till after Shabbat. Does that come on to the same hubris of um, Shalot? Then there's the third thing that I remember Rabbi Dweck talking us about. In certain communities, riding a bicycle on Shabbat is mutar, but the problem is that if by mistake the chain breaks and you want to mend the chain on Shabbat, so you make a... Um, a, a fence around it, and you don't ride the bicycle in case you might want to mend the, the train. So I think, in theory, I was in Israel in 1920 on that famous Shabbat where we all went, as you probably did, onto the balcony to sing Halach Ma'anya or Avadim Hayin or whatever it was we all sang together. It was a very serious problem, a very serious problem. And so, as your first speaker said, the idea of the Samachta Bechagecha is not so much the Samachta Bechagecha as keeping the family together. And my cousin, Rabbi Lau, Benny Lau, he always said that he he would give a heter, not publicly, but to family members who wanted to drive down Rehov Barilan on Shabbat from their residence in Tel Aviv to their parents who lived on the other side of Rehov Barilan because it was the only day in the week he wouldn't give a header, but he wouldn't throw stones. And that was the problem because of the importance of keeping the family together. And that, that's very important. So I think that within a certain framework, it was a fabulous idea. But it had to be done case by case. It couldn't be a, a header given randomly. I finished. Um, okay, so obviously the people that are writing this sock don't agree with the idea that if some godol or some famous rabbi says no, they have to also say no. Oh, that's good. Right? They have a different notion of halakha in which you can and you should say what you think is right. And if somebody else doesn't think it's right, Fair enough, but that shouldn't cause you to refrain from saying what you think is right. And uh, um, so, uh, so now, who is this rabbi that said about driving on Shabbat to visit the family? No, no, no. He didn't say you can. He didn't say you can. But he wouldn't come out on the street and throw stones, which is not very on itself anyway. So, but the thing is, the importance of keeping the families together, that's very important. 
Okay, so obviously uh, it is the case that keeping the family together has been, meaning keeping the family together in the sense of that some of the family are not observing mitzvot, many of the mitzvot ben adam lamakom. Okay, when you say somebody religious, you're not really talking about whether he's observing mitzvot. You're talking about whether he's observing specific mitzvot between man and God that within our social context marks somebody as religious, right? So uh, the idea that it's important to enable or not prevent, in this case, actively enable, right? They're not saying it's they're not going to say anything about somebody that has a say with Zoom. They're saying they're actually advocating it under the circumstances. And the reasons that they give are for the sake of the younger generation, maintaining the connection with the tradition as actually embodied in real life by the connection with the older generation. On the other hand, maintaining the older generation in a connection with the younger uh, group. Uh, so to, to give them encouragement and support. Um, so in that sense, this certainly reflects that type of thinking. But it must be remembered, it, was a, it says at the end of this psak that it's only for that year. And that they have to be very strict about that, which it can't be used forevermore. It says this well, is only this year. That's what it says at the end of the psalm. That's what you read. Well, um, that of course, that's how they phrase it. They have I to. Spoke, I spoke. I spoke. I spoke to several of the people involved, and uh, they wanted to, at the time, to get together the widest uh, or a, a broad range of, of people that would agree. But uh, when you consider what their reasons are, so it could be that, for instance, if you hold, as they advocate in this subsequent volume, if you hold that, in fact, operating electrical devices on Chag, Yom Tov, for purposes that are in consonance with the goals and aims of values of Yom Tov, so that it's not Uvdin Dechol, you're not playing, for instance, computer games. If that's then a lot of these uh, a lot of these uh, reticent saying it's only for this time it's only for that it actually don't necessarily hold so that gets you to a different question of using electricity on a Yom Tov and uh, regarding what you said about the bicycle yes so there are people who say that if the chain breaks but for instance, Rabbi Yosef Chaim of Baghdad didn't hold that. And in various places uh, within the Syrian Jewish community in the, the United States, it's a common yes for people to, from far away to come 
by bicycle uh, to Beit Knesset and elsewhere. Okay, any other um, comments or thoughts? Uh, Robert? Yeah, um, so I posted a question in the chat, but when you're watching Zoom or, or when you're involved in Zoom, clearly the amount you speak and the amount you move causes the computer to process more or less. Right. <clears throat> I mean, okay, it's um, a kind of a, what's the word? It's a grammar type situation, presumably. It's interesting that they didn't make any comment about that in Tuva that you know, uh, you know we, we all experience this I mean everywhere we go in, in the, the video cameras now and security cameras everywhere right there's even security hands in my synagogue so when I'm there on Shabbat I'm effectively operating the security camera so we obviously you know because of Pekur Nefesh and we're worried we're going to be attacked we have the Heter to have the security cameras but you know here we, it's a different Heter we, we, we need presumably for these kind of things right but it, it's interesting they didn't make any mention that, that we shouldn't worry about that. So I'm, I'm slightly surprised. Well, you worry about this. What, what is grama? Grama is causing something which is a sore. Hmm. But if actually employing electrical devices on Yom Tov, in contradistinction to Shabbat, if it's actually mutar, so it's even mutar directly. Not but if it's mutar, the shilik, the, the tuba doesn't need to be there. I mean, Clearly, they didn't hold it with Matar. They wouldn't have needed to write the Chuva. They wouldn't. The way they worded the Chuva, it's quite clear that, that although we can rely on that in the Bidiava, although we can rely on Rav Ziel and Rav Masas and all these other people, you know, uh, who, who who hold and, and many of the community the community I came from in Egypt, you know, held that you could use these things. You know, we don't today. Be, so and and it's quite clear the way they word the Chuva because otherwise the Chuva just goes away straight away. You know, they, they could just finish in one line. They could just say, you know, we can use electricity on, on Yom Tov. You know, there's no Shiloh. You can use Zoom this year, next year, and the year after. And they don't say that. So they only rely on that in the Bidiavav. Um, well, okay. So if they rely on that Bidiavad, then they could certainly rely on the uh, the, the grammar issue Bidiavad. If they... But... Uh, well, the grammar's it, it, a bit lechatchila. I mean, you know that's going to happen. So, but I mean, maybe you can say grammar on, on, on Yom Tov, even according to the Ashkenazim, isn't such a problem, right? There's a whole discussion about the Swadim are generally more maker on grammar to start with. And, but even the Ashkenazim on Yom Tov are more maker on grammar. So perhaps that's, you know, why they felt that grammar wasn't a, a problem. That this was a grammar and it wasn't a problem and maybe it wasn't worth mentioning. I was just, I was slightly puzzled as why they, they didn't mention it to then you know, just say it's not an issue. Um, all right. Um, uh, well, from the book that they subsequently published, um, it would seem retrospectively that many of them held at the time that actually Hashmal was a mutal, according to the Sephardic tradition. And if you came from Egypt, right, in Achinami, Rav Rafael Aaron Ben Shimon wrote a very long chuvot that you can strike a box of matches with a, and, with a flame and right, use matches on Shabbat 
and which would be a kind of a homer to electricity. On which, Shabbat, you mean on Chag? Sichat, right, right. Excuse me, I was a mistake. On, on Chag. Um, uh, so yes, and I know uh, I, a person who came to me it's, uh, quite several years ago, uh, and he said, you know, I came from Egypt. My family came from Egypt. We're living in Israel. I went to Yeshiva Tichonit. And the rabbis in Yeshiva Tichonit came to me and said, what you're doing in your family is a complete mistake. You're not allowed to do that. They didn't know what chashmal, what electricity is. And I came back and I told my parents, it's all, you can't do that. It's asul. He said, but only later when he happened to read a book based on my doctorate, he saw that really his parents were not Tamidei Chachamim, but what they were doing was absolutely permitted according to the analysis of Rabbi Ben Shimon and others. And therefore, uh, he had been mistaken in acquiescing to the pressures of the rabbis in his Yeshiva Tichonit, which fit under the category, by the way, which I said earlier, it's not Haredi, but it's Ashkenazi. Um, by the way, until a certain kind of East European rabbis came to the United States, it was very widespread in Orthodox or religious homes in the United States for people to use electricity on Yom Tov. Um, so it's not only in it, the countries. Eric? Can I ask you what happened with these rabbis and the, and the, uh, the Bedin? I mean, the Sfati, I mean did, did these rabbis get into any bother? Were they, um, were they uh, sanctioned, sectioned, whatever? Or did this just pass merrily? You're asking what were the responses to this psaq? Yeah. yeah. Did, did... Oh, this, this psaq was uh, attacked of course. by a wide range of rabbis, of, especially of the Haredi persuasion, uh, and... and especially because they said something that people weren't used to hearing. Right. Uh, and that itself was considered terrible chutzpah and inappropriate. Right, it's, of course. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> oh, somebody said, my family are from Iran and we have community rabbis. They all turned on electricity on Shabbat. On Yom Tov, on Yom Tov, I think. I see how I'm told. I keep making that mistake, right? Eric, huh? Eric, you know, I was just I was just gonna say, but you already said it. Um, but you already mentioned that um, there were many Ashkenazim at the time when, especially when electricity was commonplace, that allowed it on Yom Tov. I, I and correct me if I'm wrong. I think I think the advent of entertainment. I think sort of brought a different way of thinking. Like like we talked about, it's not uh, it's not um, 
Shabbistic or, or whatever it is, it, it doesn't, it would take away from this meaning. People were too concentrated. Like I know my, my dad, for instance, told me at a certain time in Israel, he stopped watching like television, but it was a thing. Like when it first came out, people would watch television to enjoy the holidays after, after Hag. Not that it's like necessarily okay. Um, but w- what I do have to say is um, I, uh, uh, on another note, it, it's just what really bothered me about this uh, process is, is I thought here we have a, a situation where we're not talking about entertainment or taking away from the holiday. We're trying to add to it because of the circumstance of COVID. And, and to see these websites, there was a lot of like famous websites that were coming up that were like promoting Torah all the time or anywhere. And, and they came up with such, you know, I, it, it just, it, it was not in the spirit. I think it was, I think the reaction was against the spirit of what these people were trying to do. And I think that was the saddest part, even though we may disagree the how the disagreement came about. Like I, I was so happy. I told my parents, my parents at that same year, uh, my mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer. My dad was already, you know, he was already very, very worried. And I was like, okay, can we, can we try this? And the answers from all my family was, was no. So obviously we stuck with the no, but I even just saw it as a heter, even though some of these people I was said like the chatechila. But even as a heter to see amongst the Sephardim, who once upon a time may may have agreed with this, um, I think that's what hurt. I think I think the most, and also this like sort of this uh, this silencing of 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 these rabbis, or maybe just of the pesach. I don't know exactly, but I I know that was meant with uh, a lot of dissent. Um, that's that's what was disappointing. Yeah. Of how are we standing now for time, Zina? Uh, however much long the professor needs, he can have. No, no. I mean, how how do people? What what are people expecting? Um, Officially, it's an hour. So, so now so, it's an hour mark. So now it's an hour. Um, all right. Look. So, um, in the other document that. I think that perhaps we should uh, we should leave for the next time. We will just start reading the first paragraph, right? The document that. Uh, so, Rabbi, before we start, could you just tell us how we get hold of a copy of the book? A number of us are interested. A copy of the book that was published subsequently about electricity. Or are you able to give? I, um, can, uh, I can scan the uh, the page where it says um, uh, who who brought, who produced it, and there's an email here. Mm-hmm. If I can scan that and send it subsequently to Sina on, uh, on uh, the... Uh, that would be great if you, if you could do that, because I think a few of us are interested in... What's up? Front. Um, let me see. Okay, I'll try to do that right now. I see uh, okay, the dot posted. The page to Sina, and uh, he should be able to. Uh, he, there's a telephone number and an email, and uh, anyway. 
I see I've, uh, in the chat box, uh, Vedat posted it. It's uh, available in the World Sephardic Library, the Sifriya Sephardit in uh, Israel. Beautiful. All right, so maybe we just begin the first paragraph of the next document and we'll continue it the next time. The document is called Megillat Yesod, the foundation document, Leigud Chachmea Ma'arav Be'eretz Yisrael. And we'll see the first paragraph of that, and maybe we'll continue it the next time and, and see another psaac, um, at least one of Rabbi Yehuda Shelush. Can you bring up the second document? Give me one second. It's called Megillat Yesod, foundation document. It's the third document that I sent to you by WhatsApp. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you can see from the way that this was phrased that it was actually formulated some four and a half years ago. In the 70th year of the independence of Israel, in the renewing state of Israel, in the 51st year, the return of Jerusalem to the lap of the embrace of the Jewish people, with the ingathering of the exiles with God's grace into their land, with their spiritual inheritance. Every group of exiled Jews with its spiritual richness. We gathered together rabbis in Israel to raise up a, on a, as it was a flag one aspect that has not yet come to expression in our state which causes a great loss to our entire people, the spirit of Sephardic rabbis throughout the generations, from the time of the Geonim until today, to return a very valuable loss to our people. Now, obviously, the people that are writing this five years ago know that there are many Sephardic rabbis in Israel, right? Uh, meaning rabbis of Sephardic extraction or Sephardic families. Nevertheless, they uh, feel that the spirit of Sephardic rabbis has not 
been brought to act on expression in Israel. And the reason of this is somehow because it's not, the Sephardic rabbis themselves are not doing this. So what we have here on the one hand is a sense that the Sephardic tradition or the spirit of the Sephardic rabbis is something that doesn't belong only to people who are Sephardic ethnically. It's something that belongs or should belong to the entire Jewish people. And the absence of this spirit, by implication, first and foremost, among rabbis of Sephardic background, since they don't have it, they're not bringing it further on to other Jews as they should be doing because they themselves have, are not doing this or maybe they're not aware of this or whatever. So um, that is something that this group of rabbis is setting out to restore. Um, Okay, so what I think we should do, therefore, is that next uh, session, which will be in about a month, we can continue looking at this document. And I'll also send a, a teshuvah from a book of responsa published less than a year ago by Rabbi Yehuda Shalush, who was one of the members of this group. Um, and we can look at that tshuva after we see this document. Um, if uh, you would like, Sinai, uh, uh, you can perhaps send this document out to the members of the group so that perhaps they can go through it uh, before the coming session, and uh, we can then uh, relate to it more effectively. Perfect. Okay, thank you so much, uh, Professor. Thank you so much, everyone, for coming. Uh, and everyone, and uh, stay tuned for the following shiurim, for our book, for all the uh, awesome th things that we're doing. Okay, so uh, have a good Yom Ha'atzmaut. 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 Ha'atzmaut.